to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. We are so blessed to have my dear, dear friend, and he really is. You don't know how close Derwood Perkins and I are. We were youth pastors together 30 years ago, and we became, became just the best of friends. We've been He's one of my best friends in the world, and uh, he and Gene pastored here actually in the town. He was associate pastor for six years. Gene's from Calhoun Falls. He's a Kentucky boy. She's from South Carolina. And they've actually bought a retirement home. Eventually, they're going to end up here. They're going to come to high praises. So they're going to be one of us. They, they just kind of count this their, their home. And uh, Bishop Perkins, come on, Bishop, come over here. He, he was, he was going to be in town, and, and I, I try to take advantage when he's here because he is a great preacher. He said he's got a lot to preach today, so y'all better get ready. And uh, I'm not going to give him all the introductions because he's been with us so many times. He's just my friend. He's a man of God, the bishop of the state of Louisiana, all the churches of God, Louisiana. Uh, He's in a position of incredible authority, but he's also just a humble, mighty man of God, and I love him. Come on, let let my friend and Bishop Derwood Perkins know how much you love and appreciate him this morning as he comes. Oh, it's great to be in the house of the Lord today. And I have felt his presence. I told Tim over there a little bit ago while they were saying, so I'm ready to go now. So just, I was trying to tell Chris, you just need to keep it quiet now. Let me just take off running. Stand with me, please. Let's turn to Psalm 124. I do have a lot to share with you today. And I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. I am ready to let the Lord do what only he can do. I learned a long time ago I'm just the voice piece. I'm just the one that lets him flow through me. But I know what the Holy Ghost can do by the time the words leave my lips, reach to your ears and your heart, that God can do incredible, awesome things with it. I'm going to preach to you this morning on the subject, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Psalm 124, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul, then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has given us, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Father, we thank you for this grand privilege to being in this beautiful house. This opportunity to be with incredible people, our home. Lord, I pray that you would give us your word today, that you would speak through me. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to be receptive of your word. Lord, hide me behind the cross. Let them not see me, but let them see you. Let them not hear me, but let them hear you. And Lord, today when we leave this place, we will not leave the same. But we will be changed and transformed by the power of your word. And we're not fail to thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, you may be seated. Psalm 124 is a part of what they call the Songs of Ascents. And they're a collection of songs which were sung by the pilgrims as they were on their way to Jerusalem for the festival days, for their homecoming days, if you will. The pilgrims didn't have their ear pods, iPods, and everything sticking out of their ears like we have today. Have you ever gone to dinner and watched a a family of four and they're still not talking, they're just all on their phones? Thankfully, it wasn't like that back in those days. We find that they're walking on the way. The pilgrims were together. They're singing and they're encouraging one another along as they're on their way to Jerusalem. 
as they're singing, they're hearing one another say great things of what God had done for their life. And they're looking for that first sight of the temple. They're encouraging one another as the, saw, as the difficulties of life would come. I don't know how it is in your life, but I love encouragement. You love encouragement? My grandson and my daughter is the, uh, my youngest daughter is the children's pastor at Cornerstone Church of God in Athens, Georgia. And so we went to see my three-year-old grandson and took him to pump it up. Anybody know about pump it up? You know, so we're in this big playhouse, and my, kid, my grandson said, Come on, Papa, let's go up there. Yeah. So I'm behind him. I said, Okay, and I'm behind him. And he was, uh, I said, Come on, Andy, you can do it. You can do it. Come on, Andy, you can do it. Boy, he's kind of, I got my hand on his backside, you know, pushing him up. You can do it. We get up to the top of it, and he looks down and goes, Whoa. I said, Come on, Andy, you can do it. I can. You can do it. I can do it. There he goes. Well, he gets up. We get to the next time. We're walking up. I'm behind him. Come on, Andy. You can do it. About the fourth time we get down and I'm sliding down with him, he says, come on, Paul, Paul. And he goes, Paul, Paul, you can do it. You can do it. Well, that's what they're doing along this way is they sing. They're recalling the history. And they're praising the Lord who watches over them, especially as they travel the dangerous, treacherous journey along the way. It's particularly the case of our song, and as a reflecting on the history, they're recognizing everything that God had done for them. I can picture them as the pilgrims are singing into the, the pleasant countryside as they're walking. They're coming from all walks of life. That's what I love about church. We come from all walks of life, common people, common shepherds who had told year-round while they were trying to tend to their, their disobliging sheep. And we find that there were farmers who were tilling the hard, harsh ground who was tilling, trying to get food for, for their families. And you find people that were merchants and they were coming along trying to, to, bet, to bargain and to buy and to get bounty for their food and for the, their plates at home. We find that from all different kind of walks of life, different circumstances, different social economical situations, different educational and professional achievements, and they came for one common purpose, and that was to worship the Lord. And I just begin to, I don't know how you read the word, but when I read the word, I put myself in it. I just, I see myself walking along on my way to Jerusalem. And, and we find that when the load was heavy and the, the road was hard and stony, we begin to hear them sing. Psalm 121, verse 1, it says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And when the sun was bearing down upon them and the, and the rocks were bearing underneath their feet and the ground was burning their feet, I hear another one begin to sing verse two, and five, 2 through 5 of Psalm 121. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right side. The sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night. And so the Psalms would carry them on their way to Jerusalem. But then... Then I hear someone start singing Psalm 124. We start hearing them sing verse 2. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive. When the wrath had kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over us, our soul, and then the swollen waters would have gone over us. The question I have is why when they're on the way to Jerusalem, remembering all the great things that the Lord had done for their life, singing of the good stuff, why would they bring up bad stuff? Notice that the text does not say that men would not come up against us. It does not say that the waters would not try to overwhelm us, that the raging waters would not try to destroy us or wash us away. We know they will. I've discovered that there's nothing pleasant about enemies attempting to swallow you alive. There's nothing good about rushing waters trying to drown you. There's nothing nice about being surrounded by your enemies. But my question is, why then bother to bring up the bad stuff? Well, I believe I have the answer. 
Any recollection of history that only includes the good things is an incomplete history. If you only remember the times when you had peace at home and peace on the job and, and peace at work is only a, a partial history, you're missing something. If you only remember when money was good and the bills were paid and you had the, the change in your pockets you want, then you're missing something. If all you remember were the times when you felt happy and healthy and holy, you're not remembering everything. Help me out. See, the text lets us know that everyone us, every one of us in here, I'll go through tough times, you'll go through tough times, it's a guarantee. And if yours has not come, I invite you to continue living. Most of us can testify that even though we've had some good times, we have also had some bad times. Some of us know what it feels like for the enemies of loneliness and depression to come against us. There were times when we understood that no one else knew what we were going through and only the pillow that we laid on and the tears that we cried. Did anyone else know what was going on in our life? Maybe you've been betrayed by a trusted friend. You thought they had your back, but instead they knifed you in the back. Many of you know what it's like to go to work and you get called into the boss's office and you've been working hard and you're expecting that big raise, but instead you get a pink slip. Many of us know the difficulties of life and trials that come to us. For some of you, it was the death of a loved one and you've just never been able to get over that and the difficulties come and you didn't know where to turn to or where to go. Maybe some of you have had trouble in the home. Your spouse has said, I don't love you anymore and I don't want to be around you anymore. Or your kids have gone crazy and mom and dad's gone crazy for some of you. And we understand that we don't know what to do, where to turn. We've had difficulties in life. Fighting and arguing has replaced everything. If we only remember the good things then we'll forget that God's been the God of our weary years and of our silent tears. And I don't know what burden you came in. My Lord, that's not the grits I'm feeling it. My Lord. I don't know what you've come in here with this morning. I, early this morning I was up praying and said, God, I know you've got something special in store for us today. And it's not because I'm preaching. I just know God's stirring something here at high praises. And I'm glad to be a part of it. But I don't know what you've come in here with. And I don't know how many nights that you stayed up counting sheep to try to sleep. And I don't know when you tried to borrow from one credit card to pay another credit card. But I do know this. After all the trouble we've had in our world and all the trouble we're having in life right now, the reason we are still here now is because the Lord has been on our side and he has brought us through and so Psalm 124 brings three aspects of life that I quickly want to bring to you today there's three aspects of life that we find from this psalm and the first one I don't like to talk about it but it's true the first one is true that there is a risk to the people of God there's a risk to the people. The psalm reminds us that opposition is there, that there's a threat to us. Enemies of the people of God are there. They're never far away. It's, it's clear that they produce a vicious blow when they do come. And so when you look at Psalm 124, notice what he says. If it had not been for the Lord who is on our side, when the enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. So verses 1 through 5 describe to us what it would be like if God were not our helper. If the Lord was not our helper, he said that we would be swallowed alive. The flood waters would sweep us away. The raging waters would have gone over us. Without God, our enemies would overwhelm us. Well, there are three types of enemies that he shares with us that all of us face of the risk that we follow. Here's the first enemy. The first enemy that comes to us is that we are swallowed alive. That word swallow used here and is used elsewhere in Scripture is the image of a leviathan. Or the huge sea monster, if you will, that has huge teeth that would come and would try to devour you. It represents the evil, any kind of thing that would grab a hold of you and there would be no escape. That once they have, of course, now living in Louisiana, I'm going to throw you right now. We have these things down there called alligators. Anybody know about them alligators? 
Now, you got Troy Landry. You've seen alligator hunters. I'm going to tell you, you go down there, you take a Kentucky boy, you make him eat the Louisiana food, and make you talk funny. But you got the alligators down there, they grab a hold of it, and you just can't get a hold of it. You can't get away from them. That's what he's talking about, that there's this creature, there's this enemy that will come to devour you. It represents all those kinds of things that will threaten you and grab a hold of you that you feel like you cannot get away from. The second enemy that he tells us is the second is the flood. The Middle East water courses that were there were all interconnected by the gravitational system. And we know that the waters from the rivers would flood into this area. And that's how they irrigated their crops just like we do here in South Carolina. But we also understand that there's a torrential down flood or, or a flood that would come that the waterways would come so fast that you could not get away from them. They come too quickly to escape. One minute everything's great. The next minute, life's a mess. Louisiana knows about that. I moved there in August of last year, and I had to raise $240,000 to get a church back in their building that was flooded in 2016 when you read about all the floods through Louisiana. The, rot, the water came in so fast that there were people that could not leave their homes. Many of you may know about that, but isn't that the way it is in life? That your life is going great and everything's wonderful, and the next thing you know, you're sucked up in it and you can't get away. But then there's a third enemy that he tells us about. The third enemy is that is being a bird being trapped in a snare. Those who snare birds know what they're doing. If a bird is caught in a snare, we understand that it's not getting out. And there's no doubt there's been a situation. There's been things that we have all been caught in traps. A snare is a device that secretly, strategically is set up to capture this targeted subject. And they put something attractive, something that looks good, something that smells good, something that's awesome. And that bird will come in and he'll get about, get a, there, there, there you are in a trap. I left college. I left uh, Lee, Lee University, Lee College then, and went to Natchez, Mississippi as my first job. And uh, there was a guy in there that loved to trap. I don't know if we have any trappers in here or not, but, but he loved to trap coons. Now, I'm not trying to gross anybody out, but I'm a Kentucky boy, city boy at that, though, in Lexington, Kentucky. Go out to the country of Natchez, Mississippi. He says, I'm going to teach you about trapping. I said, all right. So we get this bucket of the foulest smelling stuff I've ever smelled in my life. He said, ooh, a coon loves this. Yeah, right. So we started trapping, and we started, but I began to learn and seeing what traps were all about. That all of a sudden things are great, and it looks like it's juicy, it's nice, it's wonderful, it smells pretty, looks pretty, looks awesome. The next thing you know, you're caught in the trap. The intention of the fowler is to get that bird for either decoration, to kill it for food, or to sell it for money. Can I tell you that the devil is a fowler who is setting a snare for those that are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and sometimes he'll use attractive bait. Sometimes he wants to hold you up as a trophy. And look at this one. They used to serve the Lord, and look how great and pretty they were. But look, I've got them in my snare now. Someone was walking along, said they had everything going together. There they are, caught again. And they can't seem to get out. The devil is interested in capturing and destroying every believer that he can. So what we find is that every one of these examples is, a, examples is a vivid picture of being trapped and not being able to get out of the catastrophes of life without any warning. Just because we're people of God doesn't mean we won't face them. I'm telling you there's a risk to the people of God. Now, now that I've depressed you and let you know that you're going to fight troubles, let's get to the good stuff. Yes, there's a risk to the people of God, and yes, the devil will try to destroy us. But here's the second thing. The Lord rescues his people. Come on now. <laughs> Woo. Rather
rather than being swallowed up alive and being prayed for their teeth, the Lord has not given us up. Rather than being swept away and trapped by the floodwaters in a torrent, and rather than being trapped and caught, the Lord, God Almighty, has broken the snare and sets us free. We understand that the bird cannot free itself and nor could the people of Israel free themselves from the difficulties they were in. And yet rescue has been achieved because of the one whom they followed. Freedom was accomplished. No wonder they could sing on their way to Jerusalem the songs of Zion and the songs of Ascent that if it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? Despite the hazards and the, the issues of faith, the psalm mentions that they are not the focus of our passage. Now, a lot of people like to focus on the negative stuff. I pastored for a long time, pastored a large church in Alabama, and there were certain people I knew not to ask how they were doing on that Sunday morning. They would come on, how are you? Yeah, good to see you. Because I knew I was going to have to pack me a lunch to hear the rest of the story. There are some people that just love to dwell on the negative things. But that's not what the psalmist is saying. Yes, he acknowledges that there are dangers. And yes, he acknowledges that that there are trials. But the focus is not on the hazards. The focus is on the helper. And he tells us that he wasn't overwhelmed by the floodwaters. And he wasn't overwhelmed by the snare because the Lord was there. That's why he said, if it had not been for the Lord on our side. So he acknowledges the hazards. But apart from God, he would be nothing. So I find it interesting that Psalm 124 never tries to tell us that he can help us. He just gives a testimony of the helper. Now, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up testimony services. Come on. Man, in Kentucky, we had one guy sitting on two guys sitting on the front pews for the second pew, and they were, mm, glory, whoop, thank you, Jesus. That was their name. Mm, glory, whoop, thank you, Jesus. And we knew when testimony services started getting going, and we started, mm, glory, whoop, thank you, Jesus. They just fed off each other. We, were, we knew what was going on. They start singing a song, Living by Faith. Anybody remember that song? They start singing, Jesus is coming soon. They start t- telling us, mm, glory, whoop, thank you, Jesus. And we would get it, and we'd testify, oh, I want to thank the Lord for saving me, sanctifying me, saving, filling me with the good Holy Ghost. It was a good Holy Ghost. I'm packed up, I'm prayed up, I'm on my way. Whoop, glory, whoop, thank you, Jesus. Mm, glory, whoop, thank you, Jesus. We knew that these testimonies were going because we understood that when troubles come and trials come, there's always a way that even though we've been through them, it was God that brought us through them. It was God that took us to the other side. Mm, glory, whoop, thank you, Jesus. Mm, glory, whoop, thank you, Jesus. That's what Scripture said, if it had not been for the Lord on our side. It's a testimony. It's a testimony of what we find with Psalm 40, verse 1 and 2. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog, and he set my feet on a rock, and he making my steps secure. Here's the word that you need to write down, not in the notes, but you need to tweet it. When things are at their worst, God is at his best. When things are at their worst, God is at his best. God shows up, and he shows off when we're going through the difficult times, times when we need God, times when we see God. Are those times when we were down and out and he lifted us up. Those times when we were friendless and he was a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Those times when our heart was broken, but he came and he mended our hearts. Those things when we didn't know where to turn or which way to go. God Almighty came around and delivered us. Oh, when I think about being devoured by my enemies. Have you ever been to that place? When your enemies are surrounding you. And I've been there. I've been there. I've seen them. I've watched them. I've had witches. I've had people with letters and blood come against me. My wife had someone, a lady sit behind her with a tent knife on her leg yeah I know what it is but I know what it also is to say verse 6 blessed be the Lord who has not given us prey to their teeth praise God 
the enemies and the waters could not overflow us. The fowlers could not have destroyed us or destroyed us because God is for us. If God, Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? But, but then I see something interesting here. Look at verse 7. It says, Our soul is delivered as a bird out of the trap of the bait layers, and the trap is destroyed and we are saved. But the New King James Version says, The snare is broken. Follow that picture with me. We're all portrayed as a wayward bird. Seize this bait, we reach out for it, and all of a sudden we're caught in a trap. We can't seem to get out. Maybe you've strayed somewhere. Somehow you've been caught in a trap. Maybe, as Pastor Chris mentioned earlier, you followed the Lord, and for some reason you walked away from the Lord, and you're trying to find your way back, but you've been caught in the trap, and you can't get out of the situation. And you know how you feel when you're caught in a trap. How did, I, how did I let myself get into this situation? How, how did I let myself get to where I am? You know what a trap is. You, you walk a little bit forward and you walk a little bit sideways. You can walk a little bit back. That's all you're going to do. You're going to walk around in this little cage that you're in. That's all you are. Looking pretty for the devil. Inside that snare. But all of a sudden we find that someone comes and delivers us gets us out of the trap of the bait layer. Someone freed us from the penalty of sin and guilt and broke the snare. I'm glad to tell you this morning that even though we may have fallen down and even though we may have failed and even though we may have messed up, God did not leave us in our mess. He delivered us. He set us free. He came down to that trap. He lifted it up and broke the snare. Somebody needs to tell your neighbor the snare is broken. You're not held to that any longer. The sway no longer has you inside the trap. It's time to break free and to break loose and let God do what God can do. The snare's broken. You see, a snare is like a pitfall or a stronghold. And when I look at this, the Hebrew word for snare, the, real, the word means a noose. A noose. In other words, when you've been entrapped by some snares, you've been held back from your progress. You just going. You get only, you take three steps forward. Let me tell you something. The devil doesn't care how many times you come to church. He doesn't care how many times you pay your tithes. You need to do both. He, do, he doesn't care if, if you serve as a greeter or an usher. What he cares about is when you break free from the trap you're in and you start not just serving God, but you start worshiping him and magnifying him and then doing something for him. Listen, I pastored a long time and I watched people come sit on the pew. I call them pew warmers. They would lift their hands in praise and worship, but, every, but when it came Monday through Saturday, they lived like the devil. The devil doesn't care how many times you come. What he does care is whenever you start making forward and you get past the noose that he's got you chained in. What he wants, is, wants you to do is get past that area. I've got good news for you. If you've been taking three steps forward and have been yanked back and you've been in that place that I don't know what's going on in my life, but every time I try to get close to God, something always happens. Well, what do you think's going to happen? The devil's going to put you in a trap. Of course he's going to come after you. He doesn't want you serving him and magnifying him and glorifying him. He doesn't want you leading someone to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's going to let you get so far and going to yank you back. I'm telling you that the snare is broken and the Lord Almighty has come into your life. And when you think you've got off track, God Almighty comes in and breaks the snare and destroys the snare and sets you free. I believe it's time to start looking back and see what the Lord's done. 
I wish I had a big old cloak up here. But there's this thing, sometimes when you're going through difficulties, you've got to realize that God's covered you. <laughs> that whenever you're going through the deepest, darkest trials of your life, God's still got you covered. When you go through difficulties and you hear the bad news, and I had some bad news come my direction from a doctor just not too long ago. I know what it's like to have a phone call and the doctor tell you, listen, i, I got to talk to you in person, and it's not good. I don't mind sharing it now. I, it was one of those private things, I, and Pastor Chris knows about it. My best friend, I called him, let him know, but all of a sudden I walk into the doctor for just a normal, normal routine thing. The doctor says, you've got cancer. That is not the funnest thing to hear. Not only that, he said, you've got cancer in your stomach. And with the tumor that we found is never in the stomach. In fact, he said, that's wild. I had four doctors tell me the same words, that's wild. I said, I must be a wild and crazy guy. In fact, the doctor did this to me. He went, I don't know. There's no protocol for what you're going through. I can't look it up. I can't tell you if it was in the, in the colon. We could tell you this is what you do. If it was here, this is what you do. But we found it in your stomach, and I don't know what to do. I've talked to six other gastrologists, and they, they've never seen this before. Uh, and I talked to a friend of mine that was in my church in Mobile, Alabama. He a gastrologist. He said, Derwood, it's never found in the stomach. I don't know what to tell you because there's not much protocol, and this is what I'm hearing the whole time. I go through octreal scans. I go through everything you can find through. Then I have to go back through another, another scan they're going through trying to find. And I know what it's like whenever the doctor says, I don't know. That doctor told me that news, and I looked at him. I said, Doc, not concerned. He said, what? Chris will tell you because I told him the story. I said, Doc, number one, I'm thankful we found it because I wasn't supposed to have that test. Just a pure thing. He decided, let's do it. So we found it early. Thank the Lord for that. Second of all, I believe in divine, the divine intervention of God. I know God can take care of this. I said, Doc. I have too much to do to be sick. Back in Alabama, they say, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that when I pastored there. And I looked and said, ain't nobody got time for that, Doc? He said, we're going through the scans. I don't know what else to do. And I, I just got started thinking, oh, my Lord. I started thinking about being covered. Being covered. We sing that song, I'm covered, I'm covered, I'm covered by the blood. And I just started going through the thing and said, I'm covered, I'm covered, I'm covered. Lord, I know you've got this under control. Next thing I know, they come back and did another scan. They said, no, we don't know. And then another scan, another scan, another scan. And then all of a sudden, this other doctor come in, did a scan. She calls me. I'm out of town. She calls me. She said, uh, uh, Mr. Perkins, said, uh, we've not found anything. Everything seems to be fine. With my, my doctor, my guest, I was texted me from his personal cell phone and said, we've not found anything. Everything seems to be fine. So whatever you had, we've got it. It's gone. It's history. I'm telling you, whatever you you're going through, you're covered. You're covered. You're covered. You're covered by the blood. Woo! When the devil thinks that he's knocked you out, you're covered. When the devil's tried to attack you, you're covered. Whenever you try to be, someone's trying to violate you, you're covered. When they try to assault you, you're covered. I'm telling you, you're covered. You're covered. And though they may think you're inside the snare and you're being trapped, you can break loose because God Almighty, he broke the snare. It's destroyed. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I begin to quote the scripture, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
Every tongue that rises up against me shall be condemned. I begin to read the Bible. Psalm, 1, Psalm 48 verse 1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I begin to quote Psalm 124 verse 6. Blessed be the Lord. There's just something that when the devil tries to get a hold of you. Oh my Lord. That you just start going through here. And the Lord just starts telling you some things. And the Lord changes what's going on in your life. And all of a sudden, something grabs a hold of you. I don't know if you've ever been broke free before, but I have. Silly story. I was underneath a parsonage in Shreveport, Louisiana, pastoring. I was having to do some work underneath there. And I'm not the most claustrophobic person, but you put me in an MRI chamber, I'm coming out of there in Jesus' name. I was underneath there, working underneath that house, and I got underneath some beams. I was skinnier then than I am now. I am a true full gospel preacher, as you can tell. And I had stretched out to reach something, and when I brought my arms back in, I got caught. Not only did I get caught beneath the beam, but a nail was there and caught my shirt. I'm looking at the dirt. When you're claustrophobic, that is not fun. I'm breathing in dirt. I'm smelling all this stuff, and next thing I know, I'm trying to move, and I can't move. And then you know what happens? You panic. You start sweating. You know, instead of breathing out and thinking square, you try to move. I got stuck even more. <laughs> And I had to get out of there. You know what? Whenever I finally breathed out and got out, I got out of that house and said, whoo, thank you, Jesus. Well, that's the way I think about it when the devil has me caught in the snare. That when I've been set free, I'm going to start praising him. That there was something I've got to tell you. Whenever I got the news from that doctor, I wasn't there with him. Everything that everything that I was dealing with, everything I was facing, all the issues and the, and the struggles that you have as an overseer and worrying about this church and that guy and this person and these situations, all that, did, that left me. All I started thinking was, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are my redeemer. Lord, you are my savior. You're my soon coming king. And you are my healer. Listen, there's just something that when you're trapped, start reading this word and start praising him. He's worthy of praise in the morning, in the new time, in the night time. You just start praising him and let God do what only God can do. That's why I quote Psalm 134, verse 1, uh, 34, verse 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at some times. Oh, at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear them. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, because God says I'm an overcomer. Listen, the snare is broken. The snare's fallen off of you. It's time to get out of that snare and start walking in the goodness that God has given you. Oh, somebody praise him right now for what he's given to you. I'm believing when we pray here in just a moment, God's going to set somebody free. I saw this. I, I, when I pray, I see things. I don't know if you see things. I see pictures. You know, my prayer time this morning, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not setting you up for anything, and I, and I don't know what you came in here, but all I know is this morning in my prayer time, I started seeing this gate swinging open wide and people walking out and shouting and rejoicing. Somebody, whether you come to this altar or not, somebody's going to be set free. I feel it. My Lord, i got to hurry. Number three, the Lord is our rescuer. So not only do we have the risk of the people of God, not only does the Lord rescue us, but it is the Lord that rescues us. Look at verse 8. Our help is in the name of the what? Who made heaven and earth. So we find this in Scripture. We find it elsewhere. That the Savior of the people of the Lord was the Lord himself. The rescuer 
or the helper is bound up in the name of the Lord. Now notice two things about here. That First of all, it's the actual name used. In the name of the Lord, all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, all caps. So there are a lot of names that we use for God. We use, the, the, we use God, King, or the Holy One of Israel. But here we find that it's all caps. It is the covenant-making Lord. It is Yahweh. It is Jehovah. The name that the Jews themselves wouldn't even say because it is so mighty. We call him the Almighty God, limitless in his power. The Lord who made promises and the Lord who keeps his promises. But the second thing I want you to notice is that it was the Lord in which the name is held. So it's the name signifies the power and the structure and the character with which that name carries. Now I have discovered that whenever I was a pastor that I had certain authority in that, in that church. But if the state overseer came in, he had more power and more authority of what he carried because of his office. Now, I've noticed now because I'm an overseer and having to step into certain areas of situations and sometimes all your phone calls as well was me and trouble and trial and you got to go in and handle situations. When the pastor says something, something, but when I step in there and say, this is what has to happen, who's the authority? The name is in the position that's the power. Anybody understand where I'm coming from? Now, I'm about to shout because I know where I'm headed. You see, I can step into a church and say, this is the authority, this is what we're doing, this is how it has to be done because of what's going on. Now, I don't, I don't, that's not, not the way I like to operate, but sometimes you're forced into those areas. Understand what I'm saying? I'm a nice guy, I'm calm, I'm cool, collected, but then sometimes you have to step into that area of authority. Well, all of a sudden we come to this area now, we find that guess who's doing this? David is reminding us that it was the Lord, the covenant came who made heaven and earth. So that means any trial, any situation, any trouble you're going through is not more powerful than the Lord who created it and made it. Woo! So it really doesn't matter what you're... Yes, yes, I know the banker calls. I call him Banker Bill. I've had Banker Bill call before. One church I pastored, my second day there, I find out that the church that I had pastored had a $30,000 side note that was mature the last month, and he told me by the end of the month, we're, by the end of the week, we're going to close the doors and chain them. If you haven't paid $30,000, we were running 60. Uh-huh. I didn't know what to do, but Bill the Banker was going to shut me down, but Bill the Banker didn't have the last word. Dr. Nelson on me didn't have the last word. Come on, somebody. Dr. Reedy didn't have the last word on me. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you, there's somebody that has more power that created all things. That the Lord God Almighty, the covenant Almighty God, the one who spoke and words, the world came into existence. The one who was there when he scooped the valleys of verd and green and they became green pastures. The one who began to break open the waters and waters came forth. And those who built up the mountains and made the trees of the field, they clapped their hands. The one that makes the crocs even cry out if people do not cry out. That's the one who created all things. He is more powerful than any snare that you've ever been in. He's more powerful than any water you've ever gone under. I'm telling you, the covenant making God sets you free. The Lord God Almighty sets you free. So here's what we get. I've got to end before we've got to pray. So now I told you there's a psalmist since they're singing going to Jerusalem and perhaps they started reminding themselves of this story. Moses is trying to take the children of Israel. Can I come down? Well, I better stay up here because you got a camera. Now I feel better. Moses is taking the children of Israel away from from Pharaoh's bondage. 
Now he's on his way to take them away from there and we find this story playing out. What we begin to see is Pharaoh, the enemy, is coming to devour them because Pharaoh realized, wait a minute, I've let them go. Who's going to build the bricks? Who's going to build the houses? Who's going to do all the work around here? I have made a mistake. Let's make sure that now we get them back. So now we find the children of Israel going now through the desert and we find that the enemy, Pharaoh, the snare, the, I mean the Leviathan, is coming to devour them, to swallow them whole with the big teeth that would keep them entrapped. Now we find that he's led them now to the, to the Red Sea. We find that while they're there now, we've got the waters that would swallow them alive. We find now that there is a snare in the middle because it's the desert and they can't get out. The Leviathan behind them ready to eat them alive. The waters that's about to swallow them ahead of them. And now we begin to find that they're trapped in a snare and they can't get out. But you know the rest of the story. Then Moses goes to the end, hears the word of the Lord, he raises up his rod, and the water separates, and, gets, and they walk over, I love this, they walk over on dry ground, come on somebody, they walk over on dry ground, they get to the other side, when they get to the other side, that the enemy that was trying to devour them gets into the middle, and they're swallowed alive. <laughs> The snare that had them in, they were broke loose. They were set free. They could go where they wanted to go. And the waters, instead of swallowing them, is the one that swallows the enemy. I just have good news for you, somebody. You're at the place and you feel like that you're about to be devoured and about to be destroyed and you just can't seem to get away from it. I'm telling you, God is here already in his strength and in his power that the snare is going to be broken and you're walking across your waters on dry ground and you shall not be flooded and you shall not be drowned. You shall walk across in the power of God. Somebody pray. Him in here. I've got a lot more to go. Would you stand with me? I've discovered that my help didn't come from what I drive, my help didn't come from my education, my help did not come from. Democrats or Republicans, do you know that? But my help's come from the Lord. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I wouldn't have made it. Some of you know that if it had not been for the Lord when you lost your job, when your family member died, when you were dealing with that addiction, when you were feeling all alone, maybe you can relate to this one. That when your child was sick and you didn't know what to do, and I've had my daughter, my oldest daughter, when she was a little kid, go through all kinds of surgery, and we were right here in McDuffie Street when it happened. I don't have time to tell you that story, but I know what it is to walk there and have your baby's hand when they're going through CT, and then the radiologist says, well, we, that doesn't look right. We're going to have to do it again. Then the doctor tells you that we've got all this mass inside of her cavity, behind her sinus cavity, and we don't know what it is. Yeah, I know what, it, that, I know what it's like. Some of you know what it's like when you didn't have food on the table. If it had not been for the Lord who is on your side. So in the quietness of this moment, before I ask you to come to the altar and let us pray, the Holy Spirit's just kind of checking my spirit. And I want to remind you who the Lord is. Rather than shout it and scream it, which is inside of me to do, somebody needs to be reminded of who he is. That he is your great provider. He is the Lord Most High. He is El Shaddai. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God of deliverance. He's the God of compassion. He's the God of forgiveness.
He's the God that'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And He's the first, He's the last, He's the Alpha, He's the Omega, He's the beginning, and He's the ending. If it had not been for the Lord on your side, where would you be? Father, right now in the awesomeness of this moment, I come against every spiritual hindrance at this moment. I break the bonds. I break the snare. I destroy it that people will be set free today. I don't know what you've come in here with. I don't know what your situation is. And it may just be that you're at the place you just need the rescuer. It doesn't mean you've backslidden. It doesn't mean that you're, that you're not living right for the Lord. It could be that you're right in the middle of the risk that I shared with you. That one of these three enemies just seem to be trying to devour you, breathing, breathing their breath down upon you. The snare seems to be trying to get tighter around you. The noose seems to be trying to draw you back. And you're just trying to say, I, I need freedom today. I don't know what your situation is, but I know the God of deliverance is here. I feel him in my body. I feel I'm ready to pray. If you need something from the Lord, when I say three, that's what I went on. I'm going to start praying. One, you know that the Lord is in this place and you felt his presence. Two, he's been speaking to you. And the hindrance of the, of the world has been trying to come against you. And you know the Lord needs you. Three, step out from where you are and let us pray. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.